61 degrees outside our KTDR studios. Time for our Phelps Health Program, and your host is Summer Overshine. Good morning, Summer. Good morning. How are you today? You um, look nice in your yellow shirt. You look... Um, well, I got dressed up for you. You got I'm dressed up. Do something. <laughs> and, 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 oh, I can do it, That's okay. But yeah. thanks. Appreciate it. Well, you look nice as always. Oh, thank you. So today we are talking to Pat French, and she is with the Phelps Health Pain Management Team. And um, we haven't had you on the program before, but I've been talking to you like we've been best friends. So I think we're going to be great. So before we get started with our topic today, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. So I pretty much have grown up here in Rolla all my life. Great place to live. Um, did graduate from Rolla High School. Didn't have much of an interest initially about nursing, you know. Um, as I got a little bit older, things changed. I felt like I needed a little bit more of a, a kind of like if nursing was my calling in a way. And I always had it in the back of my head that I needed to do something that would make a difference in somebody's life. So I decided to go back to nursing school. And I did. I graduated in 2009 with my um, degree in nursing. Ended up going uh, into the emergency department for 10 years. And while I was in the emergency department, decided to go back and get my master's. In nursing and then within about roughly five to six months I ended up with a job in the pain management department as a nurse practitioner so and how do you like that love it so we are going to be talking about pain management just as kind of a general topic today because this is something again that we haven't discussed on air before so I don't know that our listeners are very familiar with it unless they have had experience with it okay. so what is a pain management provider and what does he or she do? So we specialize in evaluation, diagnosis, and treatment of pain, mm -hmm. mostly chronic pain. Okay. Um, there's a lot of factors that play into that. You know, we do an initial consult with the patient and um, it, with the consult, we ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. We go over your imaging. We collect information from other providers. Like if you've gone to a nephrologist for kidney issues, that could be something that we have to look into before we do any kind of, you know, procedures or injections on you. Um, so there's a lot of different things that kind of factor into that. Um, so why would you need to see a pain management provider? And what kinds of things are you typically seeing? What, what are people coming to you for? So the majority of the people that I see are normally for cervical and lumbar pain. Now it's mostly low back, lumbar pain, so low back pain. Okay. I see a lot of patients with this. However, we do have patients also that come for, if they've had a ankle fracture and they've had multiple surgeries on that, they could end up with something called complex regional pain syndrome. And at times pain medication is just not working for them. So they come to us and we can also do at that point what they call ganglion, uh, simulation for the pain in that ankle mm -hmm. um, to see if we can stimulate the pain so that you won't have as much basically um, we also get you know we do prescribe pain medication we prescribe other medications not just all opioids um, but there's a mm -hmm. lot of different things that people come for but the most the majority of it is your cervical lumbar pain sometimes thoracic pain um, that we will see. And so when you say cervical and thoracic, what are you talking about? We're talking about the spine. Okay. So spine in general, and that is the majority of what we see. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, there's other things that can factor into this as well that patients may have pain for, and which is chronic. Is it, are these typically the result of like an accident or what is the cause of a lot of these? At times, patients do not know what started their pain. 
they don't know if it could be from an accident 20 years ago that that's what started it and it has just progressively gotten worse uh, like I said some don't know um, you know that it becomes you know once you have an accident say you ended up with a couple herniated discs from this accident um, as the years go by it could get better it could get worse too um, you may have good days, you may have bad days, and so sometimes if it just doesn't get better, they seek treatment, and they probably will start with their primary care physician, and then they kind of, if that doesn't work, then there's always us. Come to us, we can we can try some, you know, do some injections, and maybe try some different types of medications. Like I said, not always opioids, but mm -hmm. that's that's also factored into that. So you've mentioned a few treatment options already, mm -hmm. and it sounds like there's a wide array of an approach, or different types of approaches you can take with this. So how do you determine what a person's best treatment plan is? So when we see you at initial consult, that's where we gather all of your information. We, we try to learn everything about you. We, we look at the patient as a whole. Um, we know who your primary care provider is. We know if you are seeing a specialist. Um, if you are out of state, then you know, we would have to probably collect records if they are not on our new EPIC system that we have now, and we'll have to collect those records to be able to incorporate that into what we do. We gather all your imaging, whether it's a CT, X-ray, MRI, anything like that, and we, we look at the patient as a whole to be able to do a plan of care. Um, and then normally, the first thing we will do is we're gonna try some injections. You know, even neurosurgeons will refer patients to us and want the patient to try a series of injections because they were, they're trying to avoid surgery. So we try to do a lot of non-surgical interventional treatment prior to them ever having to go have surgery. So injections it in your be, knee, injections in your back, are you talking pretty much everywhere? We or? do injections mainly in the lumbar, cervical, and thoracic spine. Okay. Um, there are other type of injections that we do. We um, Mostly, if, if it's a knee injection, we're probably going to refer you to ortho. You know, we might do some imaging on there and see if there's anything significant there to refer you to ortho and see if maybe they can give you an injection in your knee. We do have a lot of complaints for that. Um, we also, uh, hip, hip issues as well, you know, if it's not coming from your back, because sometimes it's hard to tell if you have a hip complaint that if is it coming from the back or is it just my hip. So we have to do some imaging and maybe some injections to kind of determine one way or the other, which one is it. If our injections don't work, we're probably going to refer to ortho and see if they can possibly maybe do some injections, or this could be a hip replacement issue. So injections, how often would someone have to come in for another one, or how long do they typically last? So we have different types of injections. We have joint injections, we have epidurals, we have radiofrequencies, we do spinal cord stimulation, intrathecal pumps. Normally, we will start with these injections, the block, the um, radio frequencies and your joint injections and things like that. It depends on what the patient tells us and what their pathology is on their imaging. And then we will go off, we will base it off of those two things and determine which injection is appropriate for them. Now, if the joint injection doesn't work, you know, well, we might be able to try an epidural because I'm pretty sure that you're going to have a, some degenerative disc disease, you know, and facet arthropathy and neuroforaminal stenosis and things like this but you know it it depends on what they say what their imaging shows if if this injection didn't work okay we might be able to try something else so we find we try to find the injection that is working for you and you know if it if we get you a good five to six months with say say an epidural that we did if your pain starts to come back within five months, we can come bring you back in and repeat that injection if it worked for you. If it worked for six months, we're going to repeat it because that worked. That worked. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, I'm very um, 
I'm a novice when it comes to this because the only epidural I'm ever aware of is the one that I had when I was having my children. <laughs> so, and that was just for a very short amount of time. So how does that work? So when we do an epidural, we inject a small amount of a steroid around the disc area. Um, to make it as simple as possible, what happens is, is basically that steroid will absorb into the area. And the, the goal is basically to sort of shrink that disc, to pull that disc away from what it's irritating, which is normally a nerve. And it just kind of calms things down in that area that's causing your discomfort. Um, so that is usually, that, that's the main goal. That is, that is what we try to do. And usually an epidural will give you about a good five to six months worth of relief. Now I have seen patients come back maybe yearly hmm. for this specific injection. You know, we have had patients that have gone through what the, a couple of joint injections and they get a very good result. And then they go on to what we call a radio frequency ablation where they go in and they ablate the end of the nerve. They just kind of kill the end of that nerve. It, and, and, and basically what it does, you know, now a nerve is going to regenerate about 10% every month. So it's going, it could potentially come back. Just depends on the patient and, you know, their, how they heal and different things. Um, and if it does, then we can repeat that. And we have several patients that come back, you know, every six months or every year. I've seen it go as far as about a year and a half. That's probably the longest I've seen where that has given them relief. And then they come back and repeat that injection and then they may not come back again for a while. So these people could be potentially in pain every single day. And then they're going to a long period of time. I mean, that, that's mm -hmm. a huge difference. It's a huge difference for a lot of people. Yeah. So you mentioned an intrathecal drug pump. Correct. What is that? Okay. So an intrathecal pump is a device that is implanted um, in the, well, it's implanted in the low back. And then there is a catheter that gets fed up into the, cerebral, into the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And a pain medication, a very small amount, norm, smaller amount than normal, is actually injected into the cerebral spinal fluid, which helps reduce your pain. So if the only way to do an intrathecal pump is, is you probably have, you need to go through some injections first. We need to see if injections are going to work for you. If injections don't work for you, then the next step is usually going to, we're, we'll try and see if we can do a spinal cord stimulator. The only way a spinal cord stimulator would not probably be done would be if you have any kind of stenosis, severe stenosis to the point where our provider cannot get the catheters into a certain space into the thoracic spine, which would actually be where the, that stimulates the low back pain. So if you can't do that, then the next option is probably gonna be an intrathecal pump. Now we don't, Dr. Kunkel does not do the intrathecal pumps. We do maintain um, probably 20 patients yet that do have them, which is, are the ones that he put in years ago. Um, so we would have to refer you to a provider that we use a lot and he is in Christian Hospital in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I've had several patients um, this week already that I've already seen who have been seeing this provider and they're getting a really good result from the pain medicine that, that he has given through that catheter. So you're going to qualify if nothing else has worked pretty much for this point. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. And, you know, it would have to be a consult with Dr. Buer himself um, because, you know, he's going to sit down and do a consult with you and ask lots of questions. And he's going to be the one to determine whether or not you are a candidate for this. Mm -hmm. And the trial itself, I believe, is two days. And then after that, he will schedule you for the implant. So you also mentioned spinal cord stimulation. What is that 
all of these things are very new to me. I, I've never heard, I mean, I've heard of them, but I've never really knew what they did or what they're for. So it's, it's a little bit of the same concept as the intrathecal pump, except the intrathecal pump is pain medication. Mm -hmm. Spinal cord stimulation is just that. It is a stimulator that we insert into the spine, into a certain area, but you know, depending on what, what pain you're having, if it's neck pain or low back pain. Um, and it is sort of like a TENS unit. I don't know if you would know mm -hmm. what that is, mm -hmm. but it's internal and it's probably 500 times better than a TENS unit. And it provides a stimulation to lessen the pain wherever you're having it, okay, um, to control that. Um, some patients come in and they have done the injections. Injections do not work for them. That is usually our next step would be try and, try and do a spinal cord stimulator. Um, there is a seven-day trial. If you get at least a 50% or more benefit from the trial, then we will schedule for the implant. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a couple different companies that we use um, for spinal cord stimulation and you have your own little remote control. You have a company that once it's placed, you have them 24 hours a day if you need to call them. Now, if you don't wanna to speak to them, they also come into the office and we take care of some of the issues that are going on with the stimulator as well. So, can someone's pain go away completely or, or is the goal just to reduce it? So, it depends sometimes on what kind of pain patients are experiencing. Pain is subjective it's what they tell you um, it's what we see on their pathology it is never if you have chronic pain and depending if say you have degenerative disc disease of your cervical spine your neck and you have several discs in your area that are that are either herniated or bulging or and you know we've attempted many things on you and it's just not working sometimes with the injections and the different types of medications that we might put you on you know you might be on pain medication as well it's a combination of stuff to help control your pain but will your pain ever go away probably not we're just trying to lessen it and we're trying to get back as much of that functionality to the patient that we can spinal cord stimulation has been is a huge part of what we do mm -hmm. as well and that has really given patients back a lot of you know they're you know being able to go outside and do their yard work that they never were never was able to do before or to be able to go on long car rides that they were never able to do mm -hmm. you know um, so it's a it's it really does help um, and that's why we do what we do I love doing what I do and I like it when a patient comes back and has a great result with either a stimulator or even some of the injections. So pain medication is um, also something that I think we typically think about when we think of pain. So you, we've talked, we talked a little bit in the hall before we came in, you know, you said earlier, it doesn't have to be opioids necessarily, but that's what we often think about when we're Correct. thinking about really bad pain and how to reduce it. So how do you try, what is your approach to that? I know that there's been a lot of change in the way people view that, especially with the epidemic that we have um, currently in the nation and even locally, um, that people are trying to change their mindset about how it's prescribed. And I think providers are being held more accountable for that. Providers, as far as... Um, maybe not prescribing it as much as maybe was maybe 20 years ago or mm -hmm. something. It's, it's more thought out, I think, than maybe it was back when they didn't know Correct. The, as bad of the effects of it. We do follow the CDC guidelines. The mm -hmm. CDC guidelines, as stated, those are just guidelines. Mm -hmm. Now, we prescribe 
it's hard to say this, so it, what, what they call up to 90 MMEs of medication. So that could be four of the, either the 7.5 milligram or four of the 10 milligram, say Percocet a day. Um, we try not to go over the 90 MME um, guideline, but like I said, those are just guidelines. It doesn't mean that we cannot go beyond right. that. It just right. depends on the situation sometimes. Um, with that being said, we don't always start necessarily with pain medication. Mm -hmm. um, when you come to us, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get a script for Percocet or you're automatically going to get a script for oxycodone or tramadol or whatever that may be. Um, we might want to start some injections as well. Now, some patients come to us that are already on pain medication and their doctors cannot control their pain mm -hmm. just with what they're taking. So they will send them to us and then we will try some of these injections along with their pain medication to see if that helps. Sometimes it could be injections along with, say, muscle relaxers, or if you have nerve pain, we might put you on gabapentin or Lyrica. Um, it could be, it could be anti-inflammatories, you know, like your Aleve, your Motrin or anything like that. But it just depends on what's going on with the patient as well, because mm -hmm. sometimes they can't have anti-inflammatories. Sometimes it depends on if they have a heart condition or kidney issues, what kind of medications we can and cannot put them on. So we, we pay attention to a lot of different factors that play into that. But yeah, it's not always pain medication. And that's why we do the injections and the spinal cord stimulation and the intrathecal pump. We're trying to control it in different ways mm -hmm. and not go beyond, you know, not give them an extensive amount of pain medication to the point where if we ever put you in the hospital, how are we, how is that provider going to treat your pain? If you are on so much pain medication right now, because when they get you in the hospital, it's it, it, you're not going to be able to treat you mm -hmm. appropriately. You're going to continue to have a lot of pain, and it's not going to help you. So we try to keep you on, a, you know, a very minimal amount. Mm -hmm. As much as possible. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And is there, has there been a lot of re-educating people about this? Because, again, I typically think that people assume, well, I'm hurting. I, should, I need to take something, whether it is a Motrin or, mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. So do you have to help re-educate people on, hey, this isn't the only option um there's other things you can do too or do do people typically ask for that initially or do, are they open the majority of the patients that i see do not ask for mm -hmm. pain medication there are some you know um but there's a lot of factors that also play into whether or not we're going to prescribe you pain medication um i think a lot of those can be addressed at consult initially and then we would just kind of go on from there. But yeah, when you when you initially come to us, we, we're wanting to see, we want to see you. We want to see if we can help some of this discomfort. But yes, that does not always mean um, opioids. And yes, there is a lot of re-education constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I just think typically people think um, if I have a headache, I'm going to take something, a pill to make it feel better. Yeah. And that's just kind of what we go to. That's our first thought. There's other treatments. There's, yeah. you know, a lot of patients have already had chiropractic therapy. They've done yoga. Mm -hmm. we, we put them through physical therapy to help some of this discomfort. Um, exercise, weight loss is huge, huge. Eating, eating well, getting this extra weight off, especially in the low back can really help your pain significantly, especially if you have a lot of extra weight that causes like an overall inflammation as well. And smoking also is one a big factor. It causes an overall, overall inflammation in the body. And we can't treat that unless the patient wants to help themselves to stop the smoking. So we do talk a lot. There's a lot of education that goes into this. Yeah, a this. lot of kind of a lifestyle change yes, almost. So you were talking about diet just a little bit and it made me think, is it because of the pressure? Like it, the extra weight, is it the pressure on the joints that's causing? Let's just say this extra weight equals extra stress on your joints 
and your muscles and your spine. So it's okay. going to, yeah. If you have a lot of excess belly weight, okay, that causes, at some point, the low back actually pushes forward. The lumbar spine will pull forward a little bit, and then that will, that will be where your pain will start. And it's because of all the extra weight that you carry in the front. You know, and it's not always just all belly fat. You know, some patients, we have overall, you know, extra weight. And, it, you know, it's just an inflammatory issue. We just have to re-educate them and explain to them that sometimes this pain is not just your spine where you're having this pain. It's inflammation, and we have to get rid of this inflammation to help that discomfort as well. Is there a certain population that you typically treat or see more than others, or is it just kind of across the board? We see, we see, we see patients of all ages um, and um, ethnicities. I mean, we, I see a lot of um, older generation, mm -hmm. which... Um, you know, they've, they've probably been dealing with chronic pain for a very long time. And, you know, at some point their doc is going to either, they'll either ask to come to us or the doc will, you know, refer them. Mm -hmm. So what can someone expect from their first appointment with you then? Um, for the first appointment, what I, what I go over, and this is very important to me, um, I want a patient to be able to make sure that they have a list of their medications, their allergies. I want to know your history and I want to know your surgeries that you've had in the past. A lot of these play a huge factor in what we do. Um, and like I said um, before, you know, we gather records from either your primary care um, or we will also look at whether or not you've seen specialists and if some of these things have happened out of state or out of town, we need to know that as well. Did you have, did you have injections, you know, through another facility that we need to know about? And did they help? Which ones helped? Because that plays a huge factor as well. We might want to repeat that injection that helped you. We see a lot of military as well, you know, so um, they have had injections in the past and then they come to us and sometimes those injections have worked and we'll repeat them for them. Do you need to be referred by a physician or can you just call up and make an appointment? You have to have a referral either through your primary care and um, we've had specialists that have actually um, referred patients to us as well. Mm -hmm. So we've been speaking today with Patricia French, who is a family nurse practitioner with the pain management um, clinic at Phelps Health. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you.